for listening to FYI Stillwater, where you will hear information about your local government you didn't know you need to know straight from the source. Be sure to check out other news and information from the City of Stillwater at stillwater.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question for City Hall, email news at stillwater.org and in the next podcast, we'll answer a few of them. FYI Stillwater is available on our website at stillwater.org, Spotify, and just about anywhere else you enjoy your podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Sherry Fletcher, Director of Marketing and Civic Engagement. Today, my host is Elisa Hines, Multimedia Specialist. You joined us about a week and a half ago? A week and a half ago, yeah, about Friday, Thursday, a couple weeks ago. Okay, where did you come from before you came to the city? Where were you? What was Um, your career path? I was actually retired. So I'm really? coming out of retirement into another Wow. Job. I failed um, at retirement. You failed at retirement? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're too young to be retired. So <laughs> your you. background is uh, video, news packages, video. Yes. The whole multi. Yes. I was with Oklahoma Horizon, which mm-hmm. uh, aired on OETA right. for about 13 years. Mm-hmm. I was on it for about 11 years from wow. the beginning until mm-hmm. I uh, took another job elsewhere mm-hmm. in uh, basically was able to go around the state of Oklahoma and cover right. the good stories here in Oklahoma and yeah. highlight my state that I love. It was a real, I mean, that was one of the best uh, news programs for, for Oklahoma issues. So, yeah. So, you know a little bit about everything, right? Just a little bit. Enough yes. to be dangerous. Awesome. Okay. Well, we're very glad you joined the city. And so who's our guest today on FYI Stillwater? Well, Sherry, today's guest is Chris Knight, and he's our Waste Management Director here at Stillwater. Um, Kind of basic facts are the Stillwater Waste Management provides municipal collection of residential and commercial waste and recycling services for the Stillwater and surrounding areas. Based on fiscal year 2016 data, the city disposed of approximately 24,000 tons of solid waste, of which about 1,300 tons were green waste materials and 2,600 tons were recyclable materials. And recycling is, is a- It's our issue. It's our issue here in yeah. Stillwater. A lot of people really want to be able to recycle. And there's been changes. Uh, it's an industry kind of in flux. And so that's kind of why we have Chris here today. But before we get into the real stuff, Chris, we always start with our lightning round and ask some random but revealing questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, last time we learned that Chris liked lemon meringue pie. This time, Chris, we want to know, what's your favorite breakfast food? I like scrambled eggs. So if I could have scrambled eggs every morning, that would be uh, start my day off right. So, so what does your scrambled egg look like? Is it So what, what goes into it? Is it just egg salt? Just Fluffy? Egg. You like them dry? Come on. Um, Spilled beans. Well, it, it's just eggs with salt and pepper. And if you were speaking with my wife, my scrambled eggs don't look very appetizing. So usually if she's going to eat any, she has to make them because she does a better job. Ah, uh, yeah. I'm very particular on eggs. I don't really like eggs a whole lot, but they have to be so specific that I usually don't eat them. But uh, I like um, I like my eggs with a piece of toast. I cannot eat egg without a piece of bread. Just I got to have ketchup. Is ketchup? Yeah. Uh, Salsa is pretty good. I was yeah. out in Tempe, and of course, everybody had the salsa on the table for breakfast. And I was like, ah, oh, this is this is how it should be. Yeah. I sometimes put hot sauce in them, yeah. but uh, mm-hmm. usually just plain. Just plain. 
Yeah. No All cheese, right. nothing like that? No, I can eat it with cheese, but if I'm making them, I'm not putting in a lot of effort. So yeah. it's just eggs. So. Is this every day? I don't do it every day because I don't get around quick enough to do mm-hmm. that. But if I could, that would that be would, what I'd have every day. All right. We All learned right. something. Yeah, we did. So next, we want to know, what was the worst haircut you ever had? Well, this is going back a little ways, but in the, in the 80s, you know, the uh, there was a OU football player called Bosworth, oh, and no. everyone had the Bos oh, haircut. God. So I had to have the Bos haircut. So I had that haircut. And looking back now, that wasn't a very good choice, but it was it was what everyone was doing. So, so you I, have pictures, uh, senior I, picture. Well, no, it wasn't <laughs> a senior picture. No, I would my mother wouldn't have went for that. But uh, but I do have some pictures out there. Yes, your children like it. Um, they just think it was weird, you know. <laughs> Could have been worse. Could have been a mullet. Right. Yeah. Right. Have you had a mullet? I have. Yeah. I have had one of those too. Yeah. Uh-huh. But you went with the boz. <laughs> but the boz was kind of a weird haircut, but yeah. it was cool at the time. Well, let's uh, move into our, um, you know, the interview part of this. And we've had you on the uh, on FYI Stillwater before, but we'd really want to uh, continue this conversation about recycling and and i guess it's not just Stillwater. obviously it's everybody uh all, all municipalities and utilities that take care of waste management are affected by and i guess i should just let you tell us what what's going on in the uh recycling industry well the recycling industry and this has been going on for a few years now the the markets are, are really low and it's really um hampering municipalities and that you know, collect recycling, of having a somewhere to go with it to have it processed. And the values are so low that processors are having problems, you know, finding places to, you know, get it recycled. The uh, China market, you know, it kind of started with China when they, they stopped accepting our recycling here from the United States. So that really is what kind of has uh, started this downfall of the markets. So business was set up to ship it overseas, and when we didn't have a place to ship it, the markets are going to have to businesses are going to have to change their model. And I guess we really haven't seen what the new model is. They're trying well, to figure that out. Correct. You know, a, a large portion of ours went overseas, so that's what's kind of hurt the United States. We do do some in you know in in our country, but the, the majority of us going overseas and we just wasn't we're we're not structured in our country to take on the amount of recyclables that we had going overseas we didn't have big enough you know plants to take Mm -hmm. on this material so it's everyone's kind of you know scrambling right now trying to figure out what to do with it why did china quit taking our well it's interesting they have you know they have decided you know they were having from what I read, a, a huge pollution problem in China. So they've kind of decided they wasn't going to do that no more. Um, I would say from the articles I've read, a little bit of it's our fault because we were we were doing more than just sending them over clean recyclables. We were also sending them over trash. Um, uh-huh. So they kind of put their foot down and they've got some restri- uh, strict requirements on what can go over there now. They have opened back up to taking it, but it's very very strict on how much contamination can be in the recycling it's a very small percentage it's almost too hard to meet um, 
meet that yeah. that requirement. So that's whenever we talk about with our residents that we don't want contaminants in their recycling. Uh, it starts there. Correct. So what? So go over what a contaminant in recycling means for for Stillwater in particular. Uh, my definition of contamination is anything that's not accepted in your recycling program. So if it's not accepted in our program, then it's a, a contamination or contaminant that if it goes to the processor, then, you know, they're not going to be able to uh, do anything with that item. You know, um, for example, you know, uh, the biggest problem is plastics. Right. And it's the most confusing, confusing part of recycling is on your plastics. And we only accept the one, twos, and fives. There's really little value to a three, four, six, and seven. What do those numbers mean? They mean that they're, that's the type of plastic they are. Um, so your ones and twos are your more uh, marketable plastics. They'll be like water bottles, for example, or um, things that you could find in your kitchen that you're consuming something from. Um, when you get to three, four, six, and sevens, you're, you could be uh, plastic toys that your kids may have, for example, you know, and those are not things that the, especially in the downfall of the market, the processors are looking for. They're looking for things that can be made back into something you can consume something out of, for example. And how do people know what, what number to look for? Where do they see that number? Well, on your plastic items, um, most of the time they'll be on the bottom, just depending on what type of item it is, but there's going to be a triangle on there, and there'll be a number inside that triangle that tells you what, uh, what plastic that is. Now, they're hard to see, so I tell everyone, you know, um, sometimes even with glasses on, and I have to wear glasses to see them, even under the light, they're hard to see, but they're there. Um, and they're very, like I said, they're very confusing because you would like to be able to tell citizens that this particular item is a number one, but you kind of get in trouble doing that because there are items, for example, shampoo bottles. If you go to Walmart, because I did this, um, they're all twos, except for I found one brand that was a seven. So you have to be careful. So we always tell people, look for the symbols. Look, if it's a one, two, or five, um, we'll take it. They'll, you know, There are some items, even though they're one, two, and five, that we do not want. A prime example is a plastic shopping bag from Walmart. So they, they are a number two, labeled number two, but no processor wants plastic bags. And there's reasons for that. You know, they're a nuisance at the plant. I don't know if you've ever went anywhere and see a bunch of plastic bags flying around and then they, they, they jam up their equipment because all this stuff is, uh, when you go to a processor, it's going through, you know, balers, conveyor belts, just depending on how sophisticated of a processor you're going to. So they do not want those. So this is where it gets confusing. We say we take one, twos, and fives, but there's exceptions in there. And uh, so we ask people, if you're not sure, just call us and we'll walk you through it. And so um, because we did have a high contaminant level, we actually hired somebody to audit the, uh, the, the recycling bins around town to kind of, you know, at that very first collection point to kind of get a control of it. So how has that been going? Uh, it's been going good. So we've had a uh, recycling auditor on the ground for two, about two years now. And uh, so every day, you know, our auditor goes out, looks at recycling cans, and then uh, 
if there's items in your your cart that's not supposed to be in your recycling cart, he will you know put a tag on there letting you know that, and he'll even if you've done a great job, put a tag, different tag on there that lets you know, hey, you've done a great job. But it's going good. We just mm-hmm. had our last, we do a recycling audit to where we take recyclables to a third party to um, see how we've been doing as far mm-hmm. as contamination. And we just got that report back in July. And we were down, we, we 22% is what we came in at. And the last time we did it was 26. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we keep going down. We, you know, there was only been one time that we kind of went the other way, but uh, since we started at forty-one percent contamination, we're at twenty-two now. So we're we're doing pretty we're doing, good. We're doing good. So what happens for like a, a municipality or 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 anyone who collects uh, the recycling, and you have nowhere to send the recycling, or you can't find a place to, you know, a, a a plant to process it. What what are the options left for cities? Because I can see that might be a possibility that if no one's taking the recycling, I guess that makes it trash, right? Yeah, and that's happened for a lot of cities to where they've got into that situation where they didn't have anywhere to go with it or anyone to take it, and they've had to make a decision. Um, most cities will landfill it. If you do happen to have facility that's city owned somewhere where you can like temporarily dump it until you maybe work it out. Some may do that, but most cities are having to landfill it if they get into that mm-hmm. situation where they have no, nowhere to go with it. Wow. Do you have any sense of what the residents feel like whenever their city quits recycling? Because it's been such a popular thing and, you know, you know, children have been trained, you know, let's recycle, recycle, it's good for the environment. Oh, but starting today, we we stop it completely. Well, some of the cities I've known that stopped their program, you know, they've kind of had a... Uh, a Rebellion. Well, they, they had a large, large, uh, uh, pot, you know, large amount of the citizens that, you know, were not happy about mm-hmm. it. Um, then you have some that are okay with it because usually... When you get to the point that you your program's having some issues, and a lot of cities are right now, you have to make a decision that are you willing to spend more money mm-hmm. to do it. So then some citizens are okay with stopping the recycling program because, because they don't want they their don't bill want, to they go don't up. They want their bill to go up. But then there's a large amount, and I'd say more than not, they're not happy that the program has stopped. Um, so so, so every, the. The decision makers have to decide, are we going to raise rates to ship the recycling even further away? Because that's really expensive to 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 travel long long distances. I guess you would have to put it in a trash truck and sh- and drive to a to the next uh, recycling facility and then somehow or another raise your rates enough to cover that cost. Right. You know, um. If we get into a situation like here in Stillwater to where we have to look at um, taking them to another facility, which is, you know, currently we're processing them here locally. But if we get in a situation where we'll have to look at, take them to a different processor, we're looking at, you know, over an hour away to any uh, recycling processor that's available. So we'll have to look at what those costs are going to be. And then we'll have to make a decision if we want to raise those rates to help pay for that. Because what we're going to have to do at that point, we would have to build a facility because we don't have one that we can dump 
the recyclables in temporarily mm -hmm. so we can load them into a larger truck, a uh, transfer uh, trailer okay. truck, yeah, and then haul them to the, uh, the, the processor in Oklahoma City or Tulsa, for example, um, because we cannot transport them in our, our, well, I guess you can in our trash truck, but it's not going to be very efficient yeah. because you're going to have several trash trucks going an over an hour away. Uh, to dump those. So we that's what we'd have to do. We'd have mm -hmm. to build a facility to dump those in temporarily so we can load them into a larger truck to transport them. And the profit you make off the recycled materials is uh, very small. Uh, correct. Really, to be honest, you know, the cities, most cities are not making anything off of the mm -hmm. recycling. There are, you know, the larger MRFs do offer revenue sharing but that's all dependent on your contamination. Right. If you bring them 100% clean recycling to their processor, then the city would see some monies coming back yeah. to them. The chances of your recycling being 100% not no contaminants in it are fairly slim. Yeah, because that would be very difficult. And it's not because it's pure trash by any means. It's just that there will be items in there that are just not accepted in your program. Yeah. They could be a recyclable item somewhere. Yeah. Because every state, every city is different. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to find things on the East Coast and West Coast that are accepted in their programs that are not accepted here. Right. And, and it's then, a complicated issue. Yeah, it's very complicated, you know. And um, the states that are, do really well on their recycling or, you know, better than we do here in the Midwest, they have a lot of uh, – rules established yeah and and they've and been doing it longer and they've been doing it a long time they have fines that mm -hmm. you know citizens are fined they can actually get a fine but it's really um they've been doing it a lot longer so they're they've been in the ball game you know? yeah and chris so if we're not going to be able to take it to china is there another alternative say singapore or hong kong you know, from my understanding, we did, the United States did start shipping to other countries. You know, um, the, the country's kind of um, eluding my, what the, which one it was. Um, we did that for a little while. It's my understanding we, they, we had to stop because, you know, there's, as of right now, there's no other country that I'm aware of that is set up to take that large amount of recyclables because, that we were taking Because the United States China. creates a lot we of... Have, a lot of volume. We, we have a lot, you know, overall, just a lot. Yeah. And um, so uh, as far as I know, they're, they haven't been able to really locate. They have had some other countries taking some of it, but no one is really set up to take the volume that we have. That's um, at least from the articles I've read. So you belong to some organizations that, so there's people studying this and trying to figure out what the solutions are going to be. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm a member of a SWANA uh, organization, and they currently have uh, their what work. What does SWANA stand for? Solid Waste Association of North America is what SWANA stands for. And they've been working on the, this issue with the recycling. There's other organizations that have been working on it and with the EPA. Right. And they're all trying to figure it out, and they're trying to come down with some, come up with. Another issue we're having across the country is, even though we have the the symbols for the plastic, we don't have any. There's guidelines are different across the country, right? You know, and everyone kind of 
looks at does different things. So they're so trying to no come consistency. There's no consistency. They're trying to come up. The EPA is trying to come up with a consistency. You know, something consistent for the recycling market. So that's something that's being worked on right now. Um, there's so many organizations, recycling organizations across mm-hmm. the country, that everyone's working on it, trying to come up with a way um, so we can survive the what the markets are right now. Because if nobody wants the recyclables, then we cannot offer that service if there's nowhere to send it. Because the right. other option is that it just goes to the landfill. I mean, right. there's there's either somebody wants this material or they don't. Right. I mean, that that's really it. You know, yeah. either you can find a place for the recyclables to go and be processed or you will have to landfill it, which is, you know. Um, well, in my mind, it's sad because, you know, when you look at some of these items and how long it takes for them to degrade in a landfill, you know, a plastic bottle sits in there for 600 years. So wow. it just taking up, you know, room in, in the ground, you know, which we need. Mm-hmm. for actually true trash right that's, that's where it goes and so but you know there's a lot of people working on it so i feel i feel confident they'll they'll eventually come up with a great mm-hmm. solution and the markets will come back yeah. and we've got a study coming up too don't we we're currently having a waste management study done for our department and just to kind of look at everything in our department and recycling was part of it you know a cost of service study and just looking at every aspect of the department, just to make sure we're doing everything as efficient mm-hmm. as we possibly can and, and cost effective. And looking at our rates, make sure our rates make sense. Because you do need to look at that every so often. And when the market changes, obviously, it affects the rates. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, everything goes up every year, you know. Things we, the, our, our rate to the landfill, truck costs, fuel, mm-hmm. maintenance, the recycling, you know. And um, we recently, in that study, had some... Uh, the recycling portion kind of giving us some options for the future, mm-hmm. and those were presented a while back to the yeah. city council. So, so, so in the next few months, we'll, we're going to be seeing uh, the results of that. Uh, we'll continue to uh, monitor what our recycling program looks like. That's correct. You know, we're we're continuing to monitor it. There will be you know things coming out over the next month or two about the recycling program and kind of you know where do we want to go yeah. and. Um, it does the citizens want to continue the recycling program and you know this is what it's going to take to do that all right uh, so we'll bring you back when you know a little bit more okay. and people can listen to fyi stillwater and look for chris knight as their guest and that's probably where we'll be talking about it well thank okay. you again and well, i said you. we'll bring you back thank you and then you'll bring your boss photo the next time. I don't know if I'm going to release that to the public, but uh. <laughs> we, I, uh, the police chief Jeff Watts did a, a rat's tail. That was his. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking we're going to have a collection of those before too much longer. I remember longer. those, but I did not do that. You one. did not do that. I one? did not do that. Yeah. One. All right. Well, thanks again, Chris. Hey, thank you. Before we go, let's take a look at the mailbox. The city receives questions in a lot of ways, including email, social media, phone calls. The first question today comes from Fran on Facebook. She asks, during the recent floods, a street I used on a daily basis was blocked off by a barrier. And even though it looked like no, even though she didn't see any flooding on the road, um, if the road is clear, can I remove the barrier and use the road? Oh, Fran. And everybody else out there, no, please do not move the barrier. And here's why. Even though the road may look clear, 
doesn't mean that the road underneath the road yeah, is clear. It could be that there's some damage under the road that presents a threat to you and your car because you may drive across it and all of a sudden there's a hole because the weight of your car has made it collapse. So please do not move a barrier. Don't go around it. Just bypass the road completely and go another way. And after the city assesses the road and they determine that it's safe, they will be the ones to, to remove the barrier. And remember, turn around, don't drown. Yeah, the last uh, floods, I mean, the pictures were just amazing at how much water, uh, the damage it can do to a road that looks fine on the top. So city staff goes out there and they walk the road, they pound on it, they do, they have, you know, some stress tests that they do. And it's really to keep you safe. And people were moving barriers and driving around them. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. But that's a great question, and I'm glad um, somebody asked it. Uh, let's go to question number two. This question comes from Tim, and it was also on Facebook. The stoplight on Hester and 6th has been going dark during the storms this summer. When it does, many people drive like they have a green light. Who do I contact when this happens? So if the streetlight goes out, who who's the appropriate contact person, Elisa? Thanks for your question, Tim. That was a very good one. You can contact Stillwater's Police Non-Emergency Line to report stoplight outages. That number is 405-372-4171. When a stoplight is stopped working, the intersection is treated as a four-way stop, and you should never drive through a flashing light without stopping. Hope that helps, Tim. Another thing is, is the electric department is buying batteries for the intersections. It's kind of an expensive one uh, process, but they're replacing about 10 lights every um, physical year. So I think they've done it three years. I think they have two more years to get all the lights on batteries. So hopefully this isn't going to be an issue, you know, in a couple of years and that all of them will have batteries. So when the light goes out because of a electrical adage, the battery will take over. I've even noticed some places mm. that have solar lights, yeah. solar panels on them. So yes. hopefully that'll help. I know. Uh, but, but he's right. People sometimes freak out when they see that flashing light. So great question. Well, thank you for listening to FYI Stillwater. And don't forget, tune in for our next podcast. <laughs>